Hey, murder lovers, my name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast from the last time. All right, bye. <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah, that's the episode. That's the episode. Uh, oh, I'll be fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> if you missed last week's episode, what we are referring to. <laughs> About to fuck up your day for a yeah. second week in a row. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ruin your day. Um, this is going to be my last episode on the podcast as far as like. Officially. Officially. Yeah. yeah. Moving forward, um, the podcast will be Fatina's to do with what she wants. I may pop in for a guest appearance at some point, but I'm not committing to anything. Um, I kind of touched on this briefly, but I have two other businesses that I am getting up and running. I'm also working a full-time job, and that is changing. And there's just... I, you know, I'm trying to prioritize my health. I'm trying to prioritize my healing. I'm trying to prioritize a lot of other things. And what you guys hear is only a snippet of what all goes into this podcast. There's so much from like the social media. I have my social media notifications turned off. Yeah. Because I get so much that I like, I just pop on when I have the headspace for it. Um, But also... Like, the research is very time-consuming. You guys live... We record at Fatina's house, and um, you guys live 30 minutes away from me. So yeah. I come here, and it takes me 30 minutes to get here, 30 minutes to get back, and we sit down and record for two to three hours. Um, it's, a com- it's a big It's thing. a big, big commitment. Yeah. And, and so, you know, with the research, it's, it's hard because that's... I think that's the biggest part of this. Yeah. Because even though it might turn out to be, like, a 30... 45 an hour episode there's hours that go into the research and we can't just go and google it and be done you know we have to fact check and we have to make sure that we do justice and that we have the names the dates right you know sometimes we fuck up but that's not on purpose we we try to do our best but they're so time consuming yeah and i don't feel like i have the time anymore to be able to research in a way that is doing these stories justice and what's so important to me is that the victims are being accurately portrayed the story is being accurately portrayed and if that is the area that i start to slip in that's a problem yeah and that has happened to me recently. So, yeah, I just need to reprioritize the things in my life. And unfortunately, that means that I am exiting the podcast yeah. as of today. So, um, this is dumb. I know. <laughs> so, if you guys would like to follow my personal journey, you can go over to my personal Instagram account. Um, it's at Mackenzie Sumner. If you are an internet sleuth, you can find me very easily. (laughs) Um, I tag myself in things on our social media page, so just do a little digging, and I'm in there. Um, But, yeah, I I won't be stepping away, and it's really sad and devastating because it's been three years, but... With the contingency that you can come back whenever. Yes. So there can, is that. Can visit. You can visit as can much visit. as you want. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably will visit at some point. Um, um, but yeah, it's just I. The saddest part for me is like I've made like friends. Yeah. Through my social media interactions, like 
you guys have heard me talk about Cheyenne a few times. Cheyenne, she's the homie now. Like, yeah. her and I are actually, like, legitimately friends. Like, we yeah. text a lot. Hopefully she's coming to see me at some point. Get your butt out here. <laughs> um, Liv, who lives in yeah. freaking Tennessee. Like, Liv talks to me all the time. Cheeky like, we're Liv. friends. Cheeky Liv. We're <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah. And so, like, I think about, like, these relationships that I've built over social media not in person, and it's because of this podcast, and it just, like, breaks my heart because I love... That's the part I like. I like interacting with you guys. I like doing it on social media. I should have been an influencer because that's <laughs> the part that I like is talking to you guys. I love doing the Johnny Depp thing. Um, like, being able to do it on the fly is fun for me. Maybe you could stay on and do that. Just do the social media? Do stories and do whatever you want with any cases that come media. up. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll explore. I'm not hopping off social media just yet. Like, yeah, no, we I gotta need post a transition a few period. <laughs> gotta post a few things. Maybe I'll stay on there. Um, but, you know, this could evolve into whatever you want it to evolve into. And at that yeah. point, you should have the autonomy over those things yeah. and be able to make them what you want. So, yeah, we'll see. I about might, the social media. Yeah. I suck at it. I may need to phase out of there too eventually, depending on what you're doing with it. Yeah. So, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. This is nerve wracking. I know. It's a lot. My stomach's actually like in knots a little bit. Yeah. Um, might throw up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, taking this mic with me. <laughs> the one mic I bought. <laughs> I'm taking it. <laughs> so, yeah. It's exciting times, but it's also like sad because this is what we've done for three years. And you guys have been part of a lot of like a lot of personal things that have happened in my life. Yeah. Like probably the worst True, I not probably the worst year of my life. You guys have been part of that. Um, yeah. you have been part of it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it just feels like a chapter's being closed. But there's also part of me that goes, Yeah, all of this was with me through the worst part of my life, and maybe that also is a reason to close it. Yeah, and I'm sure people understand that. I mean, I yeah. understand it anyway. For my last case. Um, I'm doing a case that I am shocked that I am doing. Yeah. Because I have a big, big aversion to unsolved yeah. mysteries. You're Hate doing them. unsolved? Hate them. Hate them. But this came up, um, and it was very interesting to me. I will preface this by saying um, that... The family has very strong feelings for understandable reasons about people using the story for attention, clout, fame, money, anything like that. So I want to be very clear that I'm not making money off of this episode and I'm going to do it in the most respectful manner because I understand that this is very, very, very important to the family. Um, and hopefully I do it justice. I'm hoping. What are you doing? I'm doing the case of Mara Murray, and apparently this is quite a um, highly publicized case, although it was the first I had heard about I'd it. I never heard of that name. Oxygen has covered it. Dateline has covered it. 2020 has covered it. She's been on E! News. She's been on um, ABC. She's been on, you know, uh, Nancy Grace. She's been on all Dr. Oh, Oz, even. Like, why was Dr. Oz in here? She's been on all the things. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is the story of the disappearance of Mara Murray and her sister, Julie Murray, has a TikTok account covering the case in detail. Um, 
where she talks about it. There's been several other podcasts that have done it. Um, I think there is a podcast entirely dedicated to this case, if I remember right. Um, so it, the reason I think it's so like notorious is because this case happened, it was either five days, I think it was five days after Facebook was born. Oh. So it was kind of one of the first of a like national media frenzy that took place in a social media world. Okay. Um, although I don't know how much social media didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, but it just, you know, social media is just what it one is. Of those things, yeah, yeah. It just allows information to be spread so quickly and, um, picked up and ran with. So right. anyway, um, I would recommend looking at Julie's TikTok. I'll tell you the handle. It might just be Julie. Mur- I, when I searched it, I just searched Julie Murray and she came up. I was down the deep dive last night looking at her TikTok. Um, yes, it's Julie Murray. Sorry, my sound's on. Um, and the actual handle is Mara Murray Missing. Okay. But if you just search Julie Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, she will pop up for you. Is it Mara, M-A-U-R-A? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Mara Murray was born on May 4th of 1982 in Brockton, Massachusetts. That came out weird. Massachusetts. There's T's in there. Sorry. <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> Massachusetts. Massachusetts. (laughs) Massachusetts. Um, She is the youngest daughter, not the youngest child, but the youngest daughter of Fred and Lori Murray. Lori herself was a nurse. Um, She had her older brothers, Fred Jr., her two older sisters, Kathleen and Julie, and then eventually had her younger brother, Curtis. Okay. Her parents divorced when she was about six, but they did co-parent. Um, her dad was always at all of their sports events, you know, carpool, did all the things. Yeah. Mom, I think, was kind of the primary as far as who they lived with, but it sounds like they had a pretty healthy co-parenting relationship. Uh, Mara and her siblings grew up in Hanson, which is a middle-class suburb in Massachusetts. She was described as being quick-witted. She was good at chess. She was really smart. She was a member of the National Honor Society. Uh, She was also a member of the Latin Club. She scored a 1420 on her SAT, which is a near-perfect score. And the SATs, just for those who are not um, American, is like a standardized test that people take in high school that assesses them in, like, writing, reading, um, science, math, maybe. I don't know. And I didn't take the SATs. I took the ACTs. Um, but you get a score from it that you use to apply to colleges. Right. It ranks you yeah. in some way. You pay for it. It's dumb. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. It just goes to show how good of a test taker you it's are, It's super um, antiquated, too, as far as, like, why we needed. Why, yeah. Yeah. And the questions, but... That's a whole other subject. Anyway, <laughs> she was very smart. Yeah. Um, and a great test taker. She was also a really, just in general, she was a very good student. student. Yeah. yeah. And she was also a very, very good athlete. She made the varsity basketball team as a freshman. Ooh, nice. She also was a cross country and track runner. Okay. So, um, and at one point she went to like nationals and was ranked 33 in the nation wow. in a two-mile event. Uh, her parents described her as being known for, quote, her kind heart, signature dimples, and beautiful smile. Oh. Uh, 
again, with her running, she was ranked in the state. She broke her school, uh, broke several school records, and she started breaking those records when she was, like, in elementary school. So she was, listen, being a skilled runner, if you don't come from a track family. No. Let me tell you, there's a lot that goes into that. I don't know why people do them for fun. I don't either, but I came from a track family. My mom was a track star. My brother was a track star. My mom's brothers were track stars. Like, running is a, running is an art. Right. And my older brother did cross country, and there's never been anything I've seen that looks more miserable than that. No. Mm -mm. No. They look like they're going to die the whole time. (laughs) So she graduated from Whitman Hanson Regional High School, and then she had the decision to make of what she was going to do for college, and she had several offers because she could have gone on an academic scholarship. She could have gone on a sports scholarship. Either way, like, she had offers. She accepted a congressional nomination from Senator Edward Kennedy, which I didn't realize that was a thing, but apparently it is, to get her into the prestigious Military Academy West Point. Wow. Yes. Oh, ooh, that got me chills. Yeah. It's like a big deal That's to get into West Point. Deal. And that might be like, I don't know how you get into West Point, but I'm assuming if a senator nominates you, yeah. that'll do it. So For her sure. sister Julie had already gone to West Point. So her sister was actively in this college so, at the yeah. time. And so she was like, cool, I'm going to go join my sister. She mm-hmm. was very close with her sisters. And so she went and attended this military academy. Um, but it wasn't a great fit for her. It sounds like it wasn't like her passion. And she might have only gone because her sister was there. Who knows? Um, but her sophomore year, she was caught stealing about $5 worth of makeup from the post exchange. Uh-oh. Which is a huge no yeah when it comes to anything mil- theft is not okay in the military well, in <laughs> it's general, not okay anywhere yeah it doesn't matter if it was a dollar or fifteen hundred dollars sounds like a like, petty get me in trouble at the least level i can get in trouble you know like i knew girls when we were in high school that they i remember one in particular like stole rings for fun like, yeah. that was her idea of fun, is stealing rings. Okay, bling ring, but... Yeah, like, the cheap jewelry rings from Macy's. Right. She would steal those. And so, it's not totally out of character no, but for I mean, somebody that age. But for her, it sounds like a, hey, I want to get in trouble, but not, like, She so was much testing trouble. her boundaries. Yeah, 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 she was testing her boundaries. Yeah. Um, her punishment was marching back and forth for hours, literally hours, yeah. Yeah. Military punishment. Um, but she had a decision to make because, you know, it did kind of go on her record. And mm-hmm. apparently once you're two years into West Point, you have the decision to either continue on. And at that point, you make an oath to give five years to military service. Oh. Or. I didn't know that. That ends your time there. So oh, you can't, okay, okay. I don't think you can continue with West Point if you are not, because it's a military right. academy. You have to commit to the military. Right. So she decided the military wasn't for her. So she ended up transferring to the University of Massachusetts. And while she was there, she decided that she was going to go into the family business of nursing. Oh, okay. So that's what she wanted to do. Um, but her trouble didn't end there. She, um, she called... So she called Domino's and it was not, apparently she called Domino's a lot, which, you know, 
um, hashtag college life. <laughs> yeah. But what's pointed out as being odd is that she did suffer from an eating disorder. So she oh. had struggled with bulimia for a few years. I guess trigger warning if you are somebody that struggles with disordered eating. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple different things here. But um, I will say just to blanket this, I don't know a lot Sure. I'm not an expert in right. eating disorders. Let me just say that. I'm I'm not an expert in eating disorders. But I also have some general understanding of, like, the shame and the feeling surrounding eating disorders and what you're consuming. Um, but I also know that bulimia is very different from anorexia. So oh, while yeah. anorexia is a... Uh, lack of. Lack of and calorie counting and, oh my God, I can't eat anything that's fattening for me or anything like right. that. Uh, somebody that struggles with anorexia is not going to be eating pizza. Right. But bulimia might be different because they are purging the calories. Right. I don't know that for sure, but it could be. But, but that's it, what anyway, doing. it's pointed out that it's odd. Because she is somebody that is struggling with an eating disorder that is several times a week ordering pizza. Oh, wow. Pizza. Several times yeah, a week. Yeah, several times. So that was odd. Um, but on this particular night, what was odd is that she was using a stolen credit card. Hmm. And the police had tracked the stolen credit card. Um, somebody had obviously called it in as stolen. And they're the ones that delivered the pizza. The police? Yeah. Oh. So when she signed for it, they busted her. Damn. Yeah. Um, so she was given a charge of fraud, um, but they told her that if she kept her nose clean, that it would eventually fall off her record. So it must have been because it was such a small purchase. Yeah. It was like 20, 30 bucks or something. Sounds like it was more like a citation rather than like a misdemeanor right, charge right. or something. I don't really know. Um, but anyway, so this did happen. Now, at this point, she is 21 years old. And she has also been in a long-distance relationship with her boyfriend that she met at West Point. His name is Bill Roche. I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, he is now, maybe not now, but at the, he became a U.S. Army major. So he's kind of like a big deal within the military, I guess. <laughs> I don't know the ranks or whatever. Yeah, it's a thing. Yep. Um... The most I know is what I learned on MASH. I never. <laughs> You're funny. So uh, I know that Margaret was a major. Major Houlihan. Hot Lips Houlihan. I... And she outranked some of the other people there. So Okay. Anyway. So they were, uh, they were in this on-again, off-again relationship. But um, it was kind of riddled with infidelity. He had cheated on her with somebody that he went to school with there at West Point after she left. Yeah. She also cheated on him with her track coach. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. But it's college, so track coaches, you know. Mm. We're all of legal age at this point. We're all consenting age. Kind of. Um, but. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes not. Sometimes not. But she's 21. Yeah. And. Regardless, it seems inappropriate. That's yeah. the issue I take on it. Yeah, inappropriate, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a thing that you can't date your coach. It's probably a thing that you can't date your professors, but I don't know about your coach. Anyway, I didn't play sports like that. So they have their whole thing going on, but they end up ending their relationship. Um, 
And this is during the era of email and AOL and flip phones. So she has email exchanges with her boyfriend about their various transgressions. Um, But it sounds like not everything was all well and dandy in their relationship. So anyway, um, on February 5th of 2004, she is working at her evening shift for her campus security job where she checks oh, okay. IDs um, for building access to one particular area of the building. Um, her supervisor finds her in this really like emotional distraught state. She's just sobbing and while she's like, work. while at work and okay. she's like, what in the world is going on with you? And she just keeps saying my sister. Okay. So her supervisor calls it good on her shift and takes her back to her dorm. And she's so upset. She's like, can I call anybody for you? Can I do anything for you? And she's like, no, no, no. I just, uh, she just keeps saying my sister, my sister, my sister. And so she, she leaves her at her dorm. Okay. Um, cell phone records. And I'm just like kind of confused. Like you just like left her there. You didn't like, Okay. Like, I mean, she probably thought it was a personal crisis. Okay. That's what it sounds like at this point. Now, phone records show that she did, in fact, talk to her sister Kathleen that night. Okay. And Kathleen had struggled struggled with alcoholism. Okay. And her sister had been doing a stint in rehab, had been released from rehab, where her fiancé promptly picked her up and drove her to a liquor store. <gasps> Oh, no. So she had relapsed. Yeah. And that was the conversation they had on the phone that night. Oh, okay. So that upset her. That makes sense. But after she talked to her sister, she talked to her boyfriend. Okay. And that phone call happened much closer to her being distraught and upset. Oh. So there are some theories about whether or not she was upset about the news of Kathleen or... her and her boyfriend had had a fight or an argument or something. And that's what she was actually upset about. And she just said, my sister to make it not seem like, Oh, she's crying crying about a boy. boy. Yeah. We will never know. But Kathleen said that she didn't seem distraught on the phone with her. That she probably like disappointed, but not. Yeah. Yeah, not, like, beside herself in any way, shape, or form. So her sister was confused about, like, why she was acting this way, too. Hmm. Um, So then two days later, Fred, her dad, comes to town because Mara's car, which is going to be a key player in this at some point, um, Mara's car is on its way out. Like, it's, it has seen better days long ago. It has an exhaust issue. It's falling apart. Her dad doesn't like the idea that she's driving this car. So dad comes into town because he's going to take Mara car shopping. They have a budget of about $6,000. So they go and look at several cars. They spend the day doing this. They um, have two finalists in their car shopping that they like. Um, Mara even calls her sister Julie to talk about the cars and which one she wants. But they decide that they're going to sleep on it. Over the weekend, and uh-huh. they'll go back the next weekend. If it's meant to be, the car will be there type thing. Sure. Her and her dad go to dinner that night. And then Mara decides that she is going to go to a party at the dorms. 
And her dad says, okay, but take my car. Like, drive my car back to your Oh, so dad is there still for the weekend. Yeah, he's going to stay at a motel that night. Gotcha. But he says, drive my car back to the dorms and then bring it back to me when you're done. So she goes to this party with her two friends, Sarah and Kate. And there are guys at the party who don't go to UMass. So that's noted as something... Just um, unfamiliar people kind of thing. But it's not, if you've gone to college, it's not that uncommon. No, like I went to other colleges for parties. Like yeah. It's a thing. Um, what is weird, though, is that after leaving the party, Mara, like, drops her friends off for them to go back to their dorms or whatever, and then says she has to take the car back to her dad. And it's, like, 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's weird. And... It sounds like Fred didn't have any expectation that he was going to get his car back that night. Right. So we're not sure why she felt the need that she to say like, that and to had that. to go return it that night. Or how she was planning on getting back to her dorm when she did that. Yeah. It's not clear at all. But anyway, the point is, is that she decided to drive her dad's car back to him. Okay. At 3.38 a.m., while driving back to his motel room, she crashes into a guardrail. Oh, no. And totals his car. <gasps> There's $10,000 worth of damage. Um, she also doesn't have her cell phone on her to call anybody for Any help. help? Yeah. But police end up responding to her accident. Okay. And they call in a tow truck. There's no documentation of a field sobriety test at all. Okay. Which... That was my first question. Yeah, was like, it's 3 30 Had in the she been drinking? And who let her just drive? Like, what kind of friends are these that they just let her drive right. to her dad's motel? So, wait, did they say that she was drunk? They didn't say. Okay. But I would assume if she's at a party in college and we find out later that she does drink, okay. that she was drinking. Pretty safe bet. Yeah. Yeah. And why the officers didn't administer a field sobriety test sure, is beyond me. For a college kid, yeah, for yeah. sure. She ends up getting into the tow truck with the driver and driving the car back to her dad's motel to drop the oh, car okay. there. But she doesn't have her cell phone on her. Uh-huh. And she doesn't know what rooms he's in. So she ends up waiting in the lobby for hours. Like, for There's him no to... one in the lobby? I don't exactly know. I just know that she waited around for quite a while. Okay. Um, so when she eventually links up with her dad, he's obviously very upset. Um, and my understanding is that this may have been a new car. Um, Ouch. But he has good insurance. He finds out that everything's going to be covered in full, including a rental car for him. He just has a $500 deductible. So he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm upset, and yeah, like, this is disappointing that you yeah, made some that. poor choices here. But it's not the end of the world. But you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, kind of thing. He gets a rental car, and he makes the trip home. Okay. So everything's fine there. That's going to be the last time that he sees his daughter. Oh, no. The last time he talks to her is that same day that he goes home, he calls her about 11.30 p.m. and reminds her that she needs to get some accident forms. And I don't oh. know... You know this more yeah, than me. Yeah, you're talking my language here. Who do you get the accident forms from? DMV. Okay. So yeah. she's supposed to get these accident forms that they need for his claim. hmm So on February 9th of 2004, Mara turns in her homework electronically 
at about 4 a.m. That's late. Yes. Or early. But it shows that she had been online researching some areas in New Hampshire and Vermont, but also working on some stuff for school. Okay. Then she emails her professors to say that she will not be in class this week because she is leaving campus because there's been a death in her family. But there hasn't been a death in her family. There's no death in her family. Which I know seems odd now that everything has happened, but at the same time, I've known a lot of people that use that lie to get out of school and work and stuff like that. I think it's bad karma, but I know people do it. Yeah, for sure. It's like catfishing. Like, they use the C word all the time. Yeah. Like, cancer. Like, they like there's a certain kind of excuse yes. for people to get yes. out of stuff yeah, yeah, that yeah. they use all the time. Like, it's textbook. So, then at 1 p.m., she emails her boyfriend. She did... It sounds like she went to sleep after 4 a.m. Because then activity doesn't start up again until... Um, the late morning, early afternoon. You keep hours. driving me to a cliff, and then there's there's more road. Like you yeah. keep driving me to a cliff, and there's more road. Okay. So at one p.m., she emails her boyfriend and says that she hasn't really felt like talking to anyone lately, but she's gonna call him later. It is very light in nature. It's like, hey, hey, I know, I'm sorry, I haven't really felt like talking to anybody lately, but I love you, and I'm gonna call you later. Don't worry. Sure. Like there was nothing about it that felt ominous. Okay. When I read it. Um, the way it's portrayed is like, she emailed her boyfriend and says she hasn't felt like talking to anybody lately. And I'm like, that's dark. But then when I read the email, I was like, oh, that sounds like a college girl. Yeah. Yeah. That just is like in her feelings. Sorry, I haven't called you in a week, but. Yeah. In her feelings because she crashed her dad's car and her dad's disappointed in her and she's just feeling overwhelmed. And then she calls him at 2.18 PM and leaves him a voicemail. Boyfriend. Boyfriend. Yes. She also calls the owner of a condo in Bartlett, New Hampshire. Okay. Now, it's a condo that she stayed at in the past and booked it previously. But they don't have availability, so she doesn't book the condo. She also calls an information line that has listings of places to rent in Vermont and New Hampshire. But the line is out of service. It's only playing a recording of availability. Mm. So the call, I think they said, lasted about three minutes. And then disconnects. Okay. So no voice to voice with someone. Just right. recording. Right, right, right. She also goes and returns some clothing to one of her classmates that she had borrowed from. Okay. She drops off clothes that she borrowed from somebody. And then she leaves her dorm room. Now, later on, her dorm room is investigated. And... There are boxes that are packed with stuff. And so there was a theory that came out that she had packed up her dorm room. But it was also the beginning of a new semester. And I don't know if she had moved dorms. But her family believes that she just hadn't unpacked yet from the winter break. On top of these boxes is a magazine or book or something like that. And there is a piece of paper stuffed into there. And what's in there is an old email between and her, her and her boyfriend talking about one of them cheating. That so she an had upsetting printed, one. She had printed it out and stuffed mm-hmm. it in there. And what's often described as like, she left an email sitting on top of her boxes that talked about the infidelity and blah, blah, blah. Her sister posted a TikTok and was like, it was actually stuffed into a book. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't look like it was like intentionally left as like a message like, or anything look at this. like that. Yeah. This is my, this is my reason for right. leaving the world. It was just like that's where the book fell. Gotcha. That had the email in it. Um, but they also do believe that she just hadn't unpacked yet. Anyway, um, she leaves the condo not before packing up some toiletries, her birth control, makeup, workout clothing, school books. So that's gone from the room. And several days worth of clothes. It's gone from the room and in her car. Huh. Then at 3.15 p.m., she stops at an ATM and she withdraws $280, which is almost all of the money in her bank account. So this is February 10th. No, this is still February 9th. Because we started our day at 4 you in the morning. p.m.? 3.15 p.m. Oh, p.m., p.m. Yeah. Okay. So she withdraws almost all the money in her bank account. Then she goes to a liquor store and returns... I think they said exactly. It was either 75 or 79 cans. Oh, okay. Like empty and cans. buys $40 worth of alcohol, which went a lot further back then than it does now. Oh, yeah. So she had like a box of wine, Kahlua, um, and several other things. There was like a vodka bottle. Um, but she bought she brought a, bought a lot a of lot. alcohol. Which, yeah. again, goes back to this college party. I don't believe there's any way in hell that she wasn't drinking at that college right, party. Right, right, right. Maybe not, like, blitz, but at least drinking. Yeah. Yeah. At least should not be driving. Right. Then she goes and picks up the accident forms that her dad told her she needed to pick up. Okay. And then she leaves town around 4.30 p.m. And she begins driving her 1996 Saturn towards New Hampshire. Oh, we the one we know is a shit car. The shit car. Okay. Yes. So she's going towards New Hampshire. She didn't tell anyone where she was going. Didn't tell anyone how long she would be gone, except for her professor saying she'd be gone for a week. Weird. Yeah. At 7.27 p.m., Faith Westman, who was a resident of Haverville, New Hampshire, calls in a car accident. Oh, no. She said a car is stuck in a ditch opposite, going the opposite way. Uh-huh. And she also says... This part is redacted from the 911 call, but she's done interviews since then, so mm. she can fill in the blanks. She also says that she sees a man smoking a cigarette in the car. In the car. In the car. That's in the ditch. Right. Now, the hus- her husband later says that he believes it was just the light from a cell phone. And she has come back now and said, you know, she may have... It may have not been what it appeared. Sure, her brain filled in a gap. Right. Saw light. There's a light of But sorts. it's February at 7.27 p.m. It's dark at this point. Yeah. Although it's a well-lit area. So when I first was listening to this story, I was like, oh, in the ditch on a freeway. Like, I'm thinking out in country land. Yeah, I'm thinking two-lane road forest, with nothing a ditch. around. Right. No. There are houses all, like... There are houses around it's her. It's suburban. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's at least six houses within where a, the car was. A block or two. Okay. Yeah. Like you can see, they can see where the car is. She can see them. She has the accident right near this barn or whatever. There's houses around. There are people okay. around. So she's not without means by any mean. So she calls, so Faith calls this call in or whatever. Shortly after that, 
a bus driver whose name is Butch Atwood stops at the accident. And he, we think he talks to Mara. We think. He describes the girl in the car as having dark hair, almost black. Now, Cara, Cara, Mara has light brown hair. He also okay. says that her hair is down. Now, I have yet to see a photo of Mara with her hair down. She wore it up in a bun every day of her entire life. Hmm. Even, like, going to school dances, she had her hair up in a bun. So, to be described as having dark black hair... And down. It down just doesn't match. Weird. Okay. Doesn't match at all. He also said that she was wearing a dark jacket, but in the ATM footage that was taken of her withdrawing oh. from her bank account, she's wearing a light-colored jacket. Okay. Like, starkly different? Like a black... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely wouldn't confuse the two. Gotcha. So, he talks to her and offers her help, but she declines and says she's already called AAA. And he's like, okay... And doesn't push it any further, but he's immediately suspicious Something's because weird. he knows that this particular stretch of road has no cell phone service. Uh-huh. Only their oh. landlines work. To this day, it doesn't have cell phone service. What about the and first lady then? She's calling from her home phone. Oh, once she got home, she called in. No, she could see the accident from her house. Sorry, maybe I missed that. Oh. She's one of the houses nearby. She hears oh. a thud, looks out her window, and sees this car in the ditch. She can see the accident from her window very clearly. Okay. So she calls it in from her house. Gotcha. I thought she was Sorry, someone driving no, by. not okay. yet. Which is important to differentiate because we got a lot of moving witnesses here. Yeah. Um, he is driving by, though, on his way the home. The truck driver. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... He knows that there is no cell phone service in this area. And it's not a matter of having a different provider. There is no cell phone service sure, for no anyone yeah, in this area still to this day. Just landlines. Yes. So he knows that she's lying about calling AAA. Hmm. He knows it's not possible. He's lived there a long time. But he's like, I'm not going to push this girl. I'm not going to freak her out. Right. So but confirmed she's by herself. Says that she is by herself. Okay. So he goes home. He lives about 100 yards away. That's not far. Not far. One of the very close houses. Parks his bus that he's driving, and he calls 911. And this is at 7.42 p.m. that he calls 911. So about 10 minutes after the first lady. Uh, 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because she she was like 7.20-something. Okay. So in that 15-minute gap, Mm -hmm. there is a person in this car. Okay? Right. So 7.42 p.m., he calls 911, which isn't, you know, she's he doesn't live far enough that a lot of time has passed from him leaving her in right, the car right. to him getting home. The uh, operator notes that it is a single female in the car, that she is shaken, airbags are deployed, oh. but he does not see any blood. Officers arrive on scene at 7.46 p.m. Oh, shit. Minutes later. We think. Ish. That is the earliest recorded somebody clocking in at the scene. Gotcha. But somebody may have been there earlier. And by this time, four minutes have passed. Mara is gone. Oh. Her car is locked. Her tank is still full of gas, which means she had stopped recently and filled up. Yeah. She has a cracked windshield. A box of red wine in the driver's seat, stains on the ceiling and floor, 
that are red. Like wine? They look like wine to me. They're bright red. Okay, they okay. don't look like blood to me. I've seen the photos. Bright red wine. Okay. Um, there's also a Coke bottle that is filled with red liquid. So I think she... She was, was just drinking the wine. Okay. Yeah. It was a cherry Coke bottle. So I think she might have even been like... Mixing them? Mixing it, which you sounds can do disgusting. That. No, but it's a thing. I'm sure it's a thing. Coke and wine? You've never heard of that before? No. No, totally a thing. nasty. Totally a thing. The other thing that st- stuck out as odd is there is a rag stuffed in her tailpipe. Oh, no. Oh, no. So immediately, they're like, did somebody... At a gas station. Right. But her car, because it's a piece of shit, um, smokes quite a bit. Like, it will smoke. Make a lot of smoke. And so her dad did tell her at one point, if you're in a pinch and you need to drive this car and you don't want to get pulled over, stick a rag in the tailpipe so that way you don't get ticketed for all of this excess exhaust. Now, uh... A specialist of some sort has recreated this scene and this car and all these things in many different scenarios. And every time, nine times out of ten, or ten times out of ten, the reg comes out of the tailpipe. If they the are driving from the, car. the exhaust. Yes. Yeah. So we don't believe that the rag was in there while she was driving the car. Or it hadn't been in there too long. Yeah. Or she knew that the police would potentially be coming and she was going to try and drive her car away. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So yeah. she stuffed it in there so mm-hmm. she wouldn't call attention to herself. That makes sense. Um, Do you know where the crack in the windshield was? Yeah, it was on the driver's side. Okay. Up high in the corner. Gotcha. Which also seemed weird. Well, I just was... wanted to know if it was like a passenger side, like head dent. No. You know? No, it was not. It was up high. Which... If you hit a snowbank, that would be a weird place for your windshield to crack. It was snowing? Yeah, so the so the car was in the ditch in a snowbank. Gotcha. Yes. I did not know it was snowing out. Yes, okay. and that's going to be important too, so I think I mentioned it at some point here. Um, now, when the officers show up, there's no Mara. So the officers that respond to the scene go to Butch's house and go to Faith's house and they say to them both, where's the girl? Mm -hmm. Now, it's noted that this is odd for them to say where is the girl because the information that was dispatched to the officers doesn't say anything about a female driver. Oh, weird. Yeah. But... It would be very weird for them not to tell them that there was a female driver involved. Right. So I don't know if that information came some other way, but... But the truck driver had mentioned it was a female. He though, had told right? the dispatcher that. But the supposedly it's not in the, the dispatch log that they told the police that there was a female driver, only that there was a single uninjured driver. Oh, okay, okay. So, um... Fred found that weird, the dad found that weird, because... Again, the dispatch workers don't mention anything about a girl, and the car is registered to Fred. And Faith didn't didn't have eyes on the person. She thought it was a man in the car. Right. She reported there was a man right. smoking, smoking a, a cigarette, cigarette in that car. Yeah. So, obviously, Faith and Butch don't know where this girl is, but Butch offers to help search for her. So he gets in his personal car at this point. Um, and they go back to the scene and try and find this girl. 
uh, fire and EMS show up. EMS is pretty quickly dismissed because there's no, no person there. there. But fire sticks around to help search because fire and rescue. Right. Like there's eight firefighters, which I was like, sign me up. <laughs> um, but they help search. They also leave pretty quickly after looking around. Um, and what's noted is that there are no footsteps leading I was from asking, her car anywhere out that is snowing. Now, it is in New Hampshire. The road, I do believe, was clear at the time. Cloud, yeah. Um, so wherever she walked would have been on the road. But there are no footprints in the snow around the car. From the bank getting into the road. Mm -hmm. So when the bus driver talked to her, did he mention if she stayed in the car and, like, he stayed on the road from his car or if she got out, if she was out? Do we know any of those details? It sounds like he approached her. Okay. And she like was... from the passenger side or something? It doesn't say which side, but that he approached her and she was in the car. Yeah. So... They think that she basically has been drinking and driving and ditched the car because she didn't want to get caught or whatever and yeah. abandons the car and they call off the search. Wow. They That fast? Yes. Now, they call in a tow truck driver to take the car, but they don't call... Now, I used to be a dispatcher. And one of the things that we did was dispatching tow truck drivers. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah. They are very protective of the calls that they get because that's how they get paid. Oh, for sure. And God forbid you skip one of them on their rotation. Yeah. All hell breaks loose. So what's interesting is that they call in the tow truck to come pick up this car, but it's not the next one on the rotation. They call one of the other guys. The tow truck driver who is next on the rotation finds out he's been skipped. So he shows up at the scene pissed of course that he's been skipped ultimately the guy that was called ends up towing the car away uh -huh. but it is interesting like why was a specific tow truck driver called over the other yeah which i'm going to talk about that in a little especially bit especially like in a smallish town you know yeah um since then since this accident have ha has happened there's been no activity of her so again no footprints in the snow no cell phone records no bank records. And her belongings are still in the car? Her belongings are for... What we know might have been in the car still in the car. Yes. What we okay. know might have been in the car is still in the car. So school books are in there. Clothes are in there. It's locked. Um, so locking it kind of makes me go, she was planning on coming back. And that has why. to be a manual lock at that point. Yes. And the only thing What is that this, 05? Is... No, 04? Oh, four. Oh, four. The only thing that is missing is some of the alcohol she originally bought is not in the car anymore. Sure. So. Like some, the bottle of the, or the contents. The bottle and the contents are not in the okay. car anymore. So, and new alcohol is in the car that she didn't originally purchase at the liquor store. So there oh, is a possibility no. that she stopped and got gas and also bought these She's wine coolers bender, that no. were found or whatever. But Butch had said that she didn't seem intoxicated when he approached her or whoever it was in the car. Okay. So, um, now witnesses do come forward. Um, 
And one in particular is odd. There was a woman that was driving eastbound and she was coming home from work after 7 p.m. A cop passed her with his lights on. She's like, all right. Um, then she takes a right onto Route 112, which is where the accident happened. She passes again another police car. So they would have had to dro- drive right past Mara's accident to go wherever they were going. So two police cars pass her, which is why she notes her that it's odd because it's two of them within a very short period of time. That pass her. That pass her. While she's going eastbound. And at the very minimum, one of them would have needed to drive past Mara because it's when she turns right onto Route 112 that she sees the second police officer and that is the stretch of road that Mara got into the car accident on. So he would have had to pass by her accident. Okay. Now, I don't know if he had lights and he was actually responding to another call, but if he didn't have lights and was responding to another call, like rule number one of emergency response is if you see something like that, you You have to stop. You have to. Like EMS, fire, anything like that, you have to stop. Um, It's really bad PR if you don't. That too. So she then drives past, this person drives past the accident scene and she sees Mara Saturn nose to nose with a police SUV marked number 001. And police SUV 001 is the police chief. Chief. Yeah. Yeah. She drives up further and she stops at Beaver Pond and calls her husband. This is nose to nose in the embankment? In the embankment, yeah. She drives up further and um, calls her husband because this is the first spot with cell phone service. And that call takes place at 7.52 p.m. So this is 10 minutes away from the accident scene at minimum. Mm-hmm. This would have been before the first police officer clocked in at the, clock, at the crash scene at 7.46. The One absolute, minute. No. It would have been a minimum of four minutes. So she called her husband at, at 7.52. So the earliest or the latest that she would have drove, driven past um, Mara's accident 42. scene would have been 7.42. And the first officer clocked in at 7.46. So four minutes. Okay. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah. Now, this witness gives her statement to police and the police call her back and they go, are you sure? Like, they check and compare everything, and they call her back and go, are you sure that's what you saw? And she's like, yeah, why? The timeline doesn't add up for when the first officer clocked in at scene, but also the responding vehicle doesn't match the vehicle that actually responded to the accident as the first responder. The first car that checked in on scene was a sedan. A police sedan? A police sedan. Mm Mm-hmm. So they ask her, are you sure that it wasn't a sedan? She said, no, it was an SUV, 001. I know for sure that that's what it was. The second officer on scene who came in after, obviously, the first one that responded and marked in on scene said that the responding officer who was Cecil Smith was driving a sedan, but Cecil said that he was driving the Chiefs SUV 001. So the responding officer says, I am positive that it is a sedan there. Police recorders say there is a sedan there. But Cecil said that he, or I'm sorry, the 
officer, the, the second, second officer, said... Cecil was driving the chief's car. Oh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. The second officer said Cecil was driving a sedan. Cecil said that he was driving the police S- or the chief's SUV. Why would he say that? We don't know. What's also weird is that same SUV was pulled out of a ditch that day at 4.30 p.m. So we don't know if there was damage, if it even should have been being driven. Who crashed that SUV to begin with? Or why Cecil would be driving the police chief's SUV? But what becomes even more weird... Oh, it's super fucking weird right now. ...is later down the road, Cecil Smith has to arrest the police chief for a DUI... And evading police. That same day? Not that same day, but down the road. Sure. He arrests the police chief whose car he was supposedly borrowing for no reason. I'm so confused right I now. I am too. Okay. Now there is a theory, I will say, there is a theory that it was possible because she's facing the opposite way on the road mm-hmm. that she crashed with this SUV. That had already been in an accident earlier that day. Mm-hmm. And whoever was driving that SUV should not have been driving. Especially if it was a police chief and he had been under the influence because he had a history. Or <gasps> later on has a history of doing this. Uh-huh. And they get that police chief out of there. In ASAP. that sedan. In Cecil's sedan. Mm-hmm. The chief they and Mora. They swap. Get into the sedan. And yeah. Cecil. But then who was in the car when Bruce, or when Butch approached the car? Now, there's also a theory that she would have been traveling with friends or meeting Wait. up with friends, potentially. Is the chief a woman? No. Okay. Um, this is like that doctor question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a man, but it could be a woman. Um, um, there is also a theory that she could have possibly been either meeting up with friends or traveling with friends because she bought a shit ton of alcohol for one person. Right. But there's no no evidence no that... No one said, hey, we were picking ...conclusively her up. says this, except for a convenience store owner who said that Mara stopped in at their convenience store and was with two other girls when she bought the wine coolers that were later found in her car. Okay. So maybe they were following her. She, there was a there is a theory of tandem driver where somebody was following her or driving in front of her. Mm -hmm. Mara crashes her car, and they go in the amount of time from all of this chaos happening, pick up Mara and take off. Sure, but then it's like, why hasn't she ever been seen again since? Right. Yeah. So they the only way that would work out is if whoever she was with. Intended to cause harm to her. Right. Right. So, um, another witness said that she had seen the car, but several yards from where police noted it and where it was ultimately found, uh-huh. you know, where Butch found it, everything else, said that when she drove past the car, all the door or the doors were open. I think at least the front door was open. Um, the doors were open, and another said that they had seen reverse lights on the car. So there's a possibility that the car was moved, but we don't know why. A, a couple hundred yards from where it was right. found? Yeah. No idea why. So what is crazy about this is that 
when you look at the list of everybody that was involved in this case that first night, there are 24 people that saw the car. What? Saw the car or were part of the search. So oh, between okay, firefighters, okay, okay. EMS, sure. witnesses. Butch, Faith, all of these different witnesses, only one of them, who is Butch, actually allegedly saw Mara. 24 but, people. But then it within, doesn't even match her. Within a 15-minute time span. See this car and only one of them sees Mara and it doesn't match her. And when he's shown pictures of Mara, he says that is not who he saw in the car. Right. Then who the fuck was it? Exactly. So they do not alert Butch until the next day that his daughter has been in an accident and they can't find his daughter. So he hightails it down there to start this search or be part of the search, but there is no search. Right. And he's like, okay, I'll do it myself. Yeah. So her family comes down, friends come down, her boyfriend comes down, all of this stuff. Um, Now, her boyfriend said that as he is going to get on a plane to get to where he needs to go Uh to be part of this, he gets a voicemail and he describes it as a whimpering voicemail. And he gets it from... A calling card, which apparently Mara had used in the past. He, she had okay. used calling cards at some point. And he believed it was her. But his mother had called in help from the Red Cross to be part of this search. Uh-huh. And there, the Red Cross also apparently used calling cards at this point. And it does seem to be that it was not Mara getting in touch with him. It was the Red Cross trying to get a hold of him to try and set up... A search and rescue. But a whimpering? He, he hears a whimpering. The mom says it sounds like somebody is sniffling. Fred says he doesn't hear anything at all. Okay. On the voicemail. So it depends on who you ask whether or not there really is some Is this available to hear? I haven't heard it, but it oh, might be. Yeah. Um. So they all get out there. They organize the search. They have dogs out there. They have heat sensor helicopters. The dogs... Lose the trail about a hundred yards away from a mm, hundred feet. I think it was a hundred feet, very close to the car. Lose the trail of Mara, and they're using these gloves that she had just gotten for Christmas as their scent. Mm-hmm. That nobody's even sure if she actually ever wore them. Um. So the scent is shaky at best. Um, but they stop very close to where the car is. So that means either Mara was on foot and got picked up there. At that point and got into the car with somebody or their tracking was faulty to begin with. And and, and did they completely like clear out the bus driver? So, yes, it does sound like he has been completely cleared. Like check the property. Yeah. And like it sounds weird. And Faith actually saw him approach her car. And knows that he left by himself. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like he is involved in this in any way. Gotcha. However, he has a neighbor, and his name is Rick Forcer, or Forcier, one of the two. Forcier, okay. He's interviewed 10 days later, and he says he didn't see anything, but then a few months after that, he comes to the police and said, sorry, I got my days mixed up. The fuck? And he says that he had seen Mara between 8 and 8.30 p.m. wearing a dark coat, jeans, and a light-colored hoodie running along Route 112. Four to five miles east of the accident. 
But he's a neighbor to the bus driver? Yeah. Like country neighbor. Country neighbor. Okay. Like they don't sit in, they're yeah, next yeah, yeah. to each other, but they're within walking like someone distance. Someone in the area type of yeah. thing? Yeah. 8.30. 8.30. So ambulance, EMS, fire, police, people coming in and out of that road didn't see her. Exactly. And somebody would have definitely driven past At her. 8.30? Yeah. The other thing is, is that there was like were. like 40 minutes after. And there were so many houses in the area that she could have stopped at any point for help. Right. And she didn't. Now, she was a runner, so she could potentially do run that. She could run that, but it wouldn't make any sense for her to be that far away from the scene of the accident. And she had taken her keys, her phone, her bag, all of those things were gone from the car. Oh, they were gone from the car. At four to five miles east, she could have made a phone call at that point. Right. No phone call. He has been dismissed as an unreliable witness by some, but police have kind of found that particular story maybe had some chalk to it. The problem is, is that, um, again, while she might have been wearing a light hoodie, the jacket was light. It was not dark. And he said that she was wearing a dark jacket. But that's the same as the bus driver saw. Yes. The dark jacket. Right. So it's like, did he get the story from Butch? Mm, and then turn it into something wants to get involved yeah um the family has seen pictures of the jacket she was wearing at the atm and they don't recognize that jacket but you don't know everything your kid buys Buys and wears yeah yeah um he also made a really disgusting joke about this rick guy made a joke about how she mara had actually been living with him for a year and was a really good cook I don't know what the purpose of this joke is. That but is it was, a sick joke. The family was very upset about this. He's also said something about how Mara actually came to his door the night of the accident looking for help. But again, like, dude, I'm nothing. telling you, it's got to be one of those neighbors. I so it's got to be someone in that area. Well, I'm glad you said that. About a mile up the road from the accident is an A-frame cabin. And a year into the investigation, the brother of the person who lived in that cabin comes to Fred and gives him a bloody knife and says, my brother has this, had this in his possession and I think you need to have it. And that's all the context he's given as and far I as I know. I think you need to have it? So Fred immediately turns the knife into police. And... Fred's the... Dad. Dad. Okay. Turns the knife into law enforcement and testing is done on that knife, but the results of it are never no. released. Oh. Including to the family. What? They're never released to the family. Now, a few years later, owners change of the A-frame cabin, and the family goes to this new owner and says, hey, this is what happened, and we really want to get in that house, and we really want to test things mm-hmm. out. And the new owners are like, by all means. Yeah. I'd so they let them to. into the house, and cadaver dogs alert in the closet. <gasps> no, 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 no. In the closet, they cut out a section of carpet that does appear to have blood on it and, again, turn it over to law enforcement. And, again, law enforcement tests it and refuses to release no, the results. Oh, dude. Spend the money. Do your own testing. So, oxygen steps in at that point because they're oh, doing a special. Okay. And oxygen does pay for them to do their own testing. And they were able to do private testing on two wood panels that came out of the closet. And DNA shows that it is human blood of two people but it's too degraded to link to Mara. Oh. And either way, it's inconclusive or would be tossed out in court because it's not actually obtained through 
the police. Right, right. Now, at this point, the family is really sick of the police refusing to They're tell them what's anything. going on. So um, Fred does get in touch with an attorney who represents him pro bono, and his name is Tim Urban, who files a uh, suit against the police to basically have the files released. And they are able to get some files released, but ultimately they're blocked because it is still considered an active investigation, not a cold case. Yeah. And they said that they were 75% sure that they were going to be able to bring charges at some point. But they never have. Yeah. So they're not released a whole lot, but they do get four polygraph tests, one wiretap, a grand jury subpoena that's issued, and logs and dispatch and everything else that would have been of use of them are actually withheld because they said in those logs and dispatch, it could pinpoint a suspect. What? It's wild. Now, in 2006, this is... Two years after the accident, a woman goes to a place called Cumberland Farms, a hundred miles south. I don't know where that would have been. Um, Cumberland Farms, and she says that she sees a young woman that looks like Mara, um, with an older man who's in his sixties, white hair, and is a little bigger, who actually matches the description of Butch. Uh huh. And the woman looks at her and mouths, "Help me." Help her. So they try and get the license plate information. Oh, no. But they take off too quickly, and she's not able to get the license plate. A couple months later, the woman's watching TV, and that's when she sees the case of Mara Murray for the first time, and she's like, that's the girl. Like, that is the girl that I saw. So she calls law enforcement, and she also contacts the family. But there's nothing to go on to really determine whether it was legit or not, and they're not really able to track anything down because they don't have a license plate number or anything (sighs) like that. It's like two hours from them. Yeah. There's so many, like, stories and rumors in this that send things on a tailspin. Um, There's also a rumor that the family had to deal with that she was kidnapped, taken to a party, drugged, abused, raped, whatever, and then killed by throwing her body into a wood chipper. The fuck? Who makes up? That sounds like an urban legend of... Yeah. Fred does eventually talk to some of the party goers. Oh, there actually was a party. Yeah, there was a party. Fred gets in touch with them and talks about them, but that's all Julie says about it, that Fred does actually talk to the party goers at some point. Sure. Um, Was it in the area? It sounds like it was close, yeah. So a suspect in this case has never been named, um... But allegations were actually made against Fred at some point, and I'll tread on this lightly because... On the dad? Yes. Tread on this lightly because, um, obviously, it's very upsetting to the family, and there has been no rhyme or reason for these allegations to be made against Fred. Um, They've been wildly debunked. They're without foundation of anything. But basically, that Fred had been abusive towards his daughter, and that he could somehow be responsible. There is no, no... No. Nothing that makes me think that that is the case in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And he has adamantly denied it, and I, I, he tirelessly works to find his daughter. There's well, nothing that like makes me think that's true. It's just like a party story. Like, it's just a, a story that's made up by people, and it took on its own life, you know? Like yeah, it, it's, yeah. Um, but, again, that 
I don't want to give too much talk to it. I'm just going to mention that it is a theory that was brought forth that doesn't sound like it has anything to do at all with this and is not true. So we go into what could have happened to Mara. So there are three theories. One is that Mara was distraught about everything that was happening in her personal life. Her sister relapsed. She crashes her dad's car. She's, you know... Um, on and off relationship. Yeah, she has that fraud thing that happens or whatever. And that she was just completely distraught and she was going out to the mountains in New Hampshire because she was going to commit suicide. Oh, no. Now, her family has said they don't think that this is true for four reasons. One is she turned in her homework. Right. Who would be up doing homework till 4 a.m. if they were planning on ending their life and who would turn it in? Uh, so when she turned in her homework two, she got the accident forms for her dad, right? She was obviously How planning on giving those her, to her yeah, dad. They were going to get to him eventually. Yeah, yeah. Why would she pick them up if she had no plan on delivering them to mm-hmm. her dad? Um, two or three, there's no footprints in the snow and she wouldn't have walked along the road in a public area. If she was planning on killing herself, she would have gone into the forested area right. off the road. But there was no footprints leading those, those, those leading directions. Leading into there, yeah. yeah. Four is she did pack items that included her school books. Right. And birth control pills. Right. Again, all things that you do not need if you're going to end your life. Right. Doesn't make any sense. And she emailed her professor saying she was going to be off for a week. Yeah, that she would be back in a week. Right. Whether the reason was real or not, this she was still saying, I'm going to be back. Yeah. No, it could have been that she just didn't want anybody to catch her in time or something like that, that she was trying to, like, leave herself room. But I think everything else makes me go, that's, this is not suicide. Right. No. Doesn't look like it. Second theory is that she ran away and wanted to start a new life. I hate this theory because I've maybe only heard of like five cases ever where this is actually the case. Right. But there have been no sightings of her since where it makes sense that she would actually have run away to start Mm -hmm. a new life. Again, she got the accident forms. Right. And didn't deliver them to the car. Um, Several years after Mara's disappearance, her mom and her sister Kathleen both died of cancer. And she wasn't there. And again, this case has drawn attention. If it was Mara herself, she would be probably following the investigation and known that her sister and mom were sick. And she had a very close relationship with her family. There's no way that she wouldn't have been there if something like that happened. Or reached out or something. Yeah. Uh, Three... Again, speaking to this family thing, this is completely out of character for her. This is just not something she would have done. Yeah. And she wouldn't have, like, her relationship with her family was good. Like, she would not just turn her back on them and just leave. It just, it doesn't fit who she was. Right. Um, but four, she also didn't have access to the resources and logistics to make to this leave. happen. She yeah. had $280. There's... You know, no record that she bought anything that would have been of use, although she did take out cash, so she could have bought things in cash along the way. But she didn't have the means or resources to start a new life, and none of her search history supports that that's what she was doing. Right. Um, so that leaves us with 
what I think is the most likely scenario here, and that's foul play. Oh, for sure. So the scent dogs that lost her scent in the middle of the road could indicate that she was picked up. Mm-hmm. Now, people have been like, well, why would she not accept help from Butch, but then go and get in the car with somebody else? And it's like, well, first of all, she could have been forced into that car. Right. But also, I wouldn't have gotten in the car either with Butch. He was an old man. Right. He was an old a man driving a bus. Yeah. yeah. Hell no. Mm-mm. But could she have been approached by people that were closer to her age, even a woman right. or a man and a woman, and trusted them and got in the car with them? Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's been no cell phone or bank activity that seems like they're, that she is alive or anything like that. Um Nothing of hers has also ever been found. So while she took her keys, her cell phone, her bag, everything with her, none of that's ever been found that would make me go suicide because she dropped it at some point or just left it somewhere or that, you know, she ran away because you would ditch your cell phone at some point if you were running away. Those things have never been found. And everything that happened with the police is so weird. That is so odd. And odd, that's the only part. Everything else, yeah, it's odd because she disappeared. But if it happened in a day-to-day thing, like... The any, patrol car thing is really It's odd. The SUV and the sedan, the Cecil that's weird. thing. Yeah. The chief being possibly on the scene. Yeah. That is weird. That's weird. Faith seeing a man in the car. Yep. The girl that's actually in the car talking to Butch doesn't match... Right, the description at whatsoever. All. Yeah. And... Her car, when it was found, they said that the damage wasn't consistent with actually having hit a snowbank. Again, it's facing the opposite way. So if she had been drunk, she would have just kind of off the road. But it's to be hit into the other... That takes force. You know, that takes force to end up on the opposite side of the road going the opposite way. Or even... No, she would have just gone off. But still... She would be facing opposite. You wouldn't be facing the opposite direction of the way you were driving if you had just gone off the road into a snowbank because you had been drinking. That would have taken force to turn your car. The way you said it, I thought she... So an east and west road, mm-hmm. if she was eastbound on 112, that meant for her to be opposite, she would have had to been on the north side next to the westbound traffic facing eastbound. Sure, I have no idea what you just said to me. (laughs) My understanding is that she's on a road. So the road that she was traveling on when her car was found, her car was facing the opposite direction of the way she would have needed to go to flow with traffic. Right. So So that would have taken force to turn your car. Or you would have actually had to physically turn your car. But that's not just a, I drank too much and went off the road into a snowbank. And when her car was found... She had, um... So this is how I pictured it. Whichever, this is north or south. Sounds like it's eastbound, though. But her car would have been opposite of the direction mm-hmm. by just going into the north side facing eastbound for the westbound traffic. I don't think that's how it was found. So for whoever, whatever this lane is here, this westbound traffic... Mm-hmm. Her car was the opposite direction on that shoulder. Either way, she doesn't end up the opposite. So it wasn't on this side, I mean. It wasn't on her own shoulder. It was on the opposite shoulder facing the wrong direction. Or she was here 
facing the wrong direction. That's the way I think this it is. Way. That's the way I think it is. Okay. So she's facing the wrong direction of the way traffic should be flowing. For because her traffic. Because Faith doesn't know which direction she was originally driving in. And when Faith called in the call, part of the reason she's calling it in is because um, Mara's car is facing the opposite direction of the flow of traffic. So it could have been either or. We just don't know if it was... I think it's that way. Or this way. Because this way is opposite of this and this way is opposite of this. I think that she, her car was turned around in the opposite way that traffic was supposed to be going, but I don't know what lane she was initially what shoulder, supposed to be on. What shoulder, the south or the north yeah. shoulder. Okay. So, um. I want to know that. It would have taken, either way, <laughs> either way, something had to turn her car. No. Yes, because. Because this one, if she did this one, where she just slid off the road, it wouldn't have turned her car, but yet she would have been opposite of this traffic. Oh, I see what you're saying. And this one, her car had to be turned. Right. That's why I want to know if she just, like, drove off or something hit her to spin I mean, her. it's all there. I just haven't looked into it that closely. Yeah. So, um. Sorry, that's my world. So that's why in my head I'm, like, trying to make a picture of it. Yeah. So either way, um, I think. Something went wrong. What makes me go, something's Something caused force here is because when her car was found, um, or when it was taken into, it was at the tow uh -huh. yard, the photos were taken, there is a white paint mark on the back of her bumper on the driver's side. So she was pit maneuvered. Potentially. And what kind of car has white paint on it? Yeah. In America, it's a police car. Just <laughs> <laughs> So... On that, the driver's side rear? Yes. So, um, we do know that that is, that was a new mark that had not been noted on the car prior to this night. Okay. So. Please tell me they got an accident reconstructionist on this. Yeah, Oxygen has done okay. some whole thing on that, so you can do a deep dive on that case. Yeah, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> but the point is, is that she's never been found, and there's no sign or indicator that really makes us go one way or another. Now, um, this is still considered an investigation. In fact, very recently, they did a search in the area really? to try and dig up new information. But this has now been, let me see, math, 18 years? Yeah. Um, since she disappeared, I don't know that at this point, if you found anything that it, you know, what would all that be viable would do. Or, yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, her sister, it sounds like her sister is leaning towards foul play. I do know that her sister is leaning towards foul play, but obviously what happened with the police is very weird, but there is also a possibility that someone picked her up that night and hurt her. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. But and not so much someone that was like caravanning with her. It just yeah. sounds like a random could have been a random person. person. But it also could have been somebody traveling with her. Like it could who, have was been. it in her in the was it her in the car that Bush talked to or was it somebody else? And right. if it was somebody else, then where was Mara at that point? Right, 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 right. And where was she going in the first place? Right, because she had nothing booked. Yeah. That we know of. Right. The whole thing is just very, very, very bizarre. And, yeah, she's been 
missing without a sign or trace or anything like that now for 18 years. I want to know how close the gas station was that she last filled up at. I don't know. But not, I know. But her tank was full. So it so, could not have been very far. Because that can't be more than, what, 15, 20 miles before your needle moves yeah. and you fill up? Right. And are, was she actually with some girls? Or right. are they misremembering that? What, are they getting her confused with somebody else? The whole thing is very strange. Because it could be... There's and so many possibilities. It's like, was she meeting up with somebody? Like, this is AOL chat room era... You know, and that's she right, did have a lot right. of alcohol with her. Um, oh. Are okay. we good? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So she had a lot of alcohol with her. It's that's like, a lot. Yeah, a lot for one person. Yeah. But maybe enough for a week, too, yeah. though. Right. It's weird. It's very weird. So, anyway. Um, and no confirmation that AAA was called or anything? No, AAA was definitely not called. Hold on, where is my phone? There was something I was going to... Uh No, AAA was definitely not called. That we know for sure. So, yeah, if any of this rings a bell to anybody, fits any type of anything, um, to provide information or submit a tip you can do this by contacting it says you can contact your local fbi office um, or send an anonymous tip through the fbi website you can also contact the new hampshire state police at 603-223-3648 also the fbi national number is 800-634-4097 but that is the case of missing Mara Murray. That's wild. Is I I and what's so crazy to me is that either way she disappeared within minutes. Literally right. minutes. Or whoever was there disappeared within minutes. At the very least. Yeah. At the very least whoever the bus driver saw whether it was her or not she yeah was gone within 10 15 right. minutes. But I do believe I do believe that she probably was in the car when it initially crashed, when Faith called in the call. Yeah. So between a 15-minute timeline, she completely disappeared forever. Yeah, it is the opposite. Wait, what the fuck? It's the it's the first one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Someone put together this really bad gif, but. Right. And so it's like, how did her car turn like that? Sorry, just for clarification, because you guys aren't seeing what we're seeing, but it's she ended up on her own shoulder facing the opposite direction. Right. Okay. So that would have taken actual force to turn her car. Right. Or she would have actually had to transfer it. And it was not snowing at the time. No, it doesn't sound like it was actively snowing, although it had been snowing, so it could have been slick, but. And you add potential, like, inebriation to that. Yeah. Did she hit a tree? No. There's a Reddit that says possibly she hit a tree. I think this is possibly a reenactment, but. 
I don't think there's any evidence that she hit a tree. And when I looked at the photos of where her car was found, there was no tree to hit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's like houses, cabins. Yeah. Like they definitely have like, you know, some some square footage to their yards, unlike today's sure. houses where you reach For out and sure. touch your neighbor from your window. But there's not a lack of options there. Why'd you have to leave me with an unsolved? I know. I hate unsolved (laughs) for this reason. It drives me crazy because everything seems weird and none of it would seem weird if she hadn't disappeared that night, but everything seems weird now. Right, of course, because everything is being nitpicked and we want to know what happened. But I think there's something there with that police and that explains why they're holding this case so close to their chest and refusing to release anything and tell the family anything that's happened. I mean, I hope they have someone then that's an actual suspect and they can... Is this the police report? Okay. Yeah, this is the police report. And I think there is trees in the area. Well, there are definitely trees in the area, but there's not one that I think she would have hit. Yeah. Especially with the snow kind of piled up there. Odd. Oh, God, yeah, I'm totally going to deep dive on this. Yeah. Totally going to deep dive. Go down the TikTok rabbit hole and it will. Her sister's TikTok. Does she just talk about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's okay. The, the entire purpose of the TikTok. I mean, why not? Yeah. Get some attention on it. Yeah. For so sure. that is the case of Mara Murray, my final official case on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how do we end this? Um, not by crying, because I don't want to cry crying. on the podcast anymore. Um, no. But I guess I just want to say thank you. Um, I will say first thank you to everybody who has subscribed, listened, supported, um, you know, reached out to me, been friends to me, you know, done this crazy journey. Um with us and everything. I um I'm so grateful that people care about what I have to say or what my ideas or thoughts are on it or um feel connected to me in any way shape or form and feel like I could be, you know, a person that you guys would like <laughs> in any day. Um you guys like I kind of touched on briefly have been a lot of you have been there through literally the darkest time in my life. And so I am just really um really grateful to know you all and um, feel like I have connections with people around the world. So yeah, uh, it's been really special to me. And also obviously thank you to you for doing this journey with me, Fatina. You're talking to me? Yeah. No, don't do it. And <laughs> wanting to do this partnership with me and, you know, ah. opening up your home to me every other week and supplying me with Diet Coke <laughs> and us sitting down and, um, you know, we talk about how you and I are friends because I am friends with Kara, but you have become even more so one of my best friends in this process. Oh. So I've loved doing Stop it with you. Stop it. Ah. We're, for the record, we're not done being friends. Like no. we were just talking about getting Backstreet no. Boy tickets. <laughs> we are. Um, I I am excited because I I was touching on this with you earlier, but um, our friendship has become very 
much the podcast and business yeah. and I'm kind of excited to be able to just get back to being friends yeah, and being able to do things and hang out and have more time to do those things instead of us recording one week and then the next week it's like, I got to get all this stuff done. Yeah. And like, you know, we have had a challenge finding time for our friendship in this. Right. So I'm excited to have time to be friends in this again. Yeah. But it's obviously like... It's the end of an era. It really is. As Monica and Rachel would say. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just found the title of this one. No. But I get it. So. Well, I'll let you have the last word. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to see what you do next. And um, yeah, I'm just infinitely grateful to have been a true crime podcaster. Yeah. And say that I did it. Um, but I love you guys. I love you. Love you. And I love all of our listeners. And I hope that this isn't the end of our communication or time together for, I know it won't be our end, you and me, but if you guys, you know, hit me up, talk to me, like, don't, don't be strangers. Find me on my own socials or whatever. And <laughs> Go stalk her. She's I'll, inviting you. Yeah, I'll pop in every <laughs> once in a while to say hi on here, hopefully. But yeah. um, I just want to say thank you. So thank you to you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to everybody for making this journey possible. And I love you guys. I don't know who's cutting on in this room, but... <laughs> Pull it together. Uh, okay. I, we, I will say I am a hundred percent confident I'm making the right decision and oh, yeah. I, I know that for a fact and that brings me a lot of peace. Um, and, and we're ending on a good note. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, for the record, there's not hard feelings. There's no like blowouts that we had. We're still friends. Yeah. It's just, and I support her decision and it's, it's yeah. the right thing for you for. My like life said, has just changed. Yeah. yeah. So. So, but the door's always open and there's always Diet Coke. So there's that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, as long as there's Diet Coke, I might come (laughs) on. Come on. There's always Diet Coke. There's at least a flat in the car at all times. So it may pop in periodically. I just can't ever say goodbye all the way. Insert vitamin C song here. (laughs) As we go. Yes. (laughs) All right, guys. Okay. So for the last time. Bye. Are you okay? No, I'm not going to say bye. It's you. Okay. You always say bye with I me. I know. I know. But I want you to have the last word on it. I know. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.